afternoon, <coughs> faculty, students, friends, family. What a fantastic day. Such a proud moment. I can see it in your faces, excited, full of hope, and blissfully unaware that you will be paying off high-interest student loans well into your 60s. <laughs> What's the big brew? <laughs> you want answers? I think I'm entitled. You can't handle the truth. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. Welcome to the beautiful campus of LCMSU, everyone. Who are you? I am the Chancellor. Yeah, baby. Master <laughs> Marcus Zill. Come on, Stewardship. It's kind of a churchy word, but what does it mean? I'd be willing to bet that as soon as you hear the word stewardship, your mind turns to money. Pastor Robert Foote from Trinity Lutheran Church in Ithaca, New York. How are you doing today, Rob? I'm doing okay. You are. You have been in Ithaca how long? And where exactly is Ithaca? Because, you know, let's face it, most of my listeners probably are in the Midwest. But where is Ithaca? Right. Well, I started uh, ministry in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is southwest of here. And I remember asking the, the guy from Ithaca when he was talking to me 30-some years ago, I said, where is Ithaca? And he had a hard time describing it. But if you imagine the state of New York as being a, a Y on its side, that's kind of the shape of New York. Hmm. Um, uh, we are almost right where the uh, the, the center would be. Um, the Finger Lakes region of New York is in the center of the state uh, geographically, and um, and we are in the lower tier of the center part of New York. So um, that's kind of the easy way to describe it. And you're uh, just, uh, as I'm looking at a map here, just kind of an hour or two north of the uh, center point of the Pennsylvania, New York. Um, that's correct, yeah. Border. Right. So if you if you know where if people know where Binghamton, New York is, and a lot of people don't, but that's pretty center south New York. We're just northwest of there, about an hour, okay. um, and that's right on the edge of Pennsylvania. So you're you're probably what three hours from Buffalo or something like that. Yeah, three okay. hours if you drive the speed limit. Well, speaking, I've of heard dr- people that do that. <laughs> well, I don't know if you know this, but when I've came and visited you about a year ago, that that I. Or maybe you didn't. Were you dissing me? That did you, I tell you that I got a ticket? I, it was a mutual diss. Okay, it was a mutual diss. Uh, I, I found out so I that, that the habit. state of New York is almost up there with the state of Utah in terms of you better you better go the speed limit. I was. This is what happened. Okay, now this is bitter. I'm, I'm I am bitter about this. I'm coming. Okay, you've got hills and trees, and trees freak me we out. Do. I don't live where there's trees. Okay. <laughs> trees are where there's water and we don't have water in new mexico so i'm zipping along come in oh it's a state line on a downslope from pennsylvania into new york and i didn't know that they changed speed limit from state to state and of course a policeman was like you need to get out more <laughs> i i a policeman was like like you know 20 feet over the state line zap gotcha 350 bucks 
Holy well, that was just because you're from the Midwest, you know. Like say, you are. aren't from around here, are you? Well, he didn't say that yeah. like I, I said that like a Westerner. But uh, <laughs> I, I learned my lesson, folks. We always encourage wow. we always encourage people here on the Student Union to drive the speed limit, not only to be safe but to follow the law. The yeah, law yeah, is represented be, by God's yeah. ministers that are there to serve you and curb evil in society, including drivers <laughs> like yours truly. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, having said that, didn't know I was going to go there. But now you know. You learned something new. Now, now I know the truth. It's about, it's about time that you confess that sin. Yes. So, anyway. anyways. I'm I, glad uh, you did. And I, you are in Christ forgiven. Yes. I, I paid, I, and I paid, my, I paid my fine, and I got out of New York State purgatory, so... Anyways, now you yeah. are, the reason why I wanted to have you on the program is that you are our, our guy, our campus pastor, as it were, our LCMSU chapter at Cornell. Now, Cornell is one of, uh, you know what, I haven't had an Ivy League school represented on the Student Union before. A lot of firsts here today. Okay. Tell us a little bit about Cornell. Well, Cornell um, is uh, 150 years old, approximately. Um, it was uh, formed by Ezra Cornell, who made his money in uh, the telegraph uh, business, um, and it was it was and remains the only um, public and private uh, university in the Ivy League. It has uh, it has a, a yoked system. Some of its colleges are public. Uh, such as the vet school and uh, other schools, and, and some are private, uh, and the private schools are uh, engineering, law, those sorts of schools, business. Um, so it, it's a very strange animal in that regard, and as some people know, it was founded by Ezra Cornell and A.D. White uh, intentionally to be a, a secular school, uh, and as Many people know the Ivy League's majority of them had a Christian connection at their founding, but Cornell not. Um, and so um, it was uh, about 80 years ago that uh, one of the leaders at the law school um, said, you know, we really need to have something religious here. Uh, and so he and others at Cornell founded Cornell United Religious Works, um, which has since changed its name to uh, the Office of Spirituality and Meaning Making Ooh, in Cornell United Religious Works. Yeah, that, well, there's a there's a whole other radio show. We yeah, have yeah, we'll have one. to have you on a second time. Uh, I think we will. <laughs> uh, and and so our our church body, um, when we came to the Ithaca community at the end of the fifties in 1959. We realized that obviously a major part of whatever ministry was going to happen in Ithaca would be directed towards not just Cornell, primarily Cornell, but also Ithaca College, which is another pretty good-sized campus in Ithaca that's uh, largely a music and arts school. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just south of us. Cornell's just north of us. We're kind of sandwiched in between, so geographically closer to Cornell. Now, what's interesting to me is it wasn't until the 50s that, that your congregation was planted? Right, right. Oh, that's so that's amazing to me because out west, I mean, that sounds like what I would hear out in the western part of the, I mean, we usually think of, uh, you know, two, three hundred-year-old type parishes or whatever back east. Right. But uh, this this right. is really uh, the hinterlands, was it not? Back in the, even in the 50s, it's kind of forgotten space out there. 
It is, and if you if you drive around, um, there's an awful lot of country. Uh, when they talk about upstate New York, they're talking about country. Uh, downstate New York City, all urban. The majority of the state is in New York City. Um, if you just had to weigh out the, the demographics, um, you know, sure. it's about 20, 25 million in the greater New York City region. So, uh, and three million everywhere state, else. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's like spread that. out. Um, so, it, it's a weird state in that regard. Um, it, it really does have a dual personality, just the same way Cornell does. Cornell's got that that state component and the private component. But in its in its um, lifeblood, it's really more private than it is public. Uh, and that actually becomes very important mm-hmm. because as a private institution, they can make rules that, um, that would then skirt some of the public um, institutions' um, freedoms. So it sounds it, awfully it's more convenient. Like a, like, hey, you know what? We want to get something through. Uh, it's, I don't know. Should we play our public card or our private card on this one? <laughs> well, well, that sounds like a political hot potato, so I'm not going to go there. Right, but, so. uh, yeah, it, it, it is convenient, um, and I think it's really the way that they they prefer it because uh, they, have the, they have some of the freedoms of that private institution and of course, because it's a public institution, they do get some public money, but they also get students who normally wouldn't need be able to attend Cornell who who can come hmm. because of some of the public support. That is, now, that is certainly fascinating. That's kind of a hybrid. Yeah, it is. So uh, one of the things I wanted to, we're going to have a second show with you and, and talk about spirituality and issues related to that, uh, kind of the double-edged sword of that on campus. But Right now, we, we want, I wanted to talk to you about stewardship. Um, one of the things that I've always been concerned about, and I, I see it all the time, not only from my 20 years or so doing campus ministry and now in my position um, um, with, with, with the LCMS and becoming a bureaucrat, as it were, um, every time I, I hang around young people, I hang around college students, and I have a couple college-age young people myself in my home, and it blows my mind that we just don't quite have, we haven't done a lot over the years in the church to really teach stewardship of, of time, talents, and, and treasures to our young people. But before we talk about that, what, what do we learn from stewardship? Like at a place like Cornell, what, what kind of things, do, I mean, do they teach stewardship of anything at, at uh, these state university, Ivy League schools, et cetera? What's your take on that? Well, I think that uh, as you hear the word stewardship in the public arena, it's being used more than what it used to be. And especially, I would think that the environmental concerns that are very prominent in the media and, as you can guess, on academic campuses and, and settings like that, they are concerned about the environment, and so they do talk about stewardship of the environment. So, uh, the, and, and that conveys some of the ancient biblical truths that, you know, you're not really an owner of it, you are a manager or a steward of it. Um, and so you will hear that uh, even in a, a very secular setting, they'll talk about this idea of management, not ownership. And, and so stewardship is taught on the campus, uh, and, on, and I think in general on college campuses, 
um, but but certainly not the way we would with the the unique aspect that well the reason that we don't own it is because God owns it He's the owner of all Creator and owner uh, one of my favorite stewardship verses is Psalm twenty four one the earth is the Lord's and all it contains the world and those who dwell in it and that last phrase hmm. many people forget that that we don't even own ourselves uh, and and that's a New Testament. Uh, sure. verse 2 that comes to mind. You were bought with a price. Uh, and so the whole idea of biblical stewardship is not, not taught, as you would expect, on a, on a campus like Cornell or Ithaca College. Well, what kind but, of things do they teach that, that would kind of pass as their versions of stewardship? Well, I, I think that they would talk about um, the need to manage the earth. That's a very common theme um, that you would and and they need to manage resources on an equitable scale. Uh, mm. We talk about that quite a bit. One sure. one thing that that providentially our church became involved in, uh, and it's an interesting story in and of itself. I'll try to make it short. Yeah, that's fine. Um, uh, we have a we have a licensed New York State after school program um, at our church, and we are also because of. Uh, the uniqueness of it allowed to have the gospel preached there, and so it's kind of a nice hybrid. Yeah, uh, thing hybrid is the sub theme here today. <laughs> yeah, and and we have our uh, and we have a preschool, and that's a private preschool, obviously that uh, we we can preach the gospel clearly. And in that, we were able to meet people who are not connected to the church, and the vast majority of children enrolled in our preschool and after school are not connected to the church. Um, and, and one of the persons here was a, a, a beautiful Christian woman who uh, had, um, she has six adopted kids, four of them from Haiti. And she said, you know, you really ought to check out this thing called Feed My Starving Children, which is a Christian organization out of Minnesota, uh, although I don't think it's Lutheran. Um, and, and we looked you into mean it. Minnesota and we said, itself? Yeah, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> or the Minnesota. <laughs> no, I, I got you. So, um, so we did that, and and what it was was we were packing food from just raw materials into uh, small meal packets, and we shipped them off to one of the seventy countries that they served across the world. Well, this whole idea of stewardship. Um, that we have more resources than people in many parts of the world, and and we are sharing our resources here with what they don't have a lot of in Haiti or wherever it's gone. Uh, uh, it's gone all over the world. So that that concept of stewardship, also sharing resources, sharing wealth, uh, not hoarding, you know, those are some good ethics that we should be thankful for, um, you know, as, as, opposed to, as opposed to hoarding things or, uh, you know, an old... Um, monarchical system where uh, the ruler would just say, it's all mine. Um, you know, we're, we forget that there are some very good and noble things that happen in uh, an academic setting. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, and they're not, they're not by any means, gospel-motivated, uh, no. but they are motivated by the law and by a sense of what's right. And, and so that was something that the the community really gravitated towards and has participated in both campuses have have supported wholeheartedly oh, um, because they realize that this idea of stewardship is good and noble and we should in fact share our resources with other people but it's interesting when you get back to the to the and thank you for sharing that story 
But when you and when you get back to this whole idea of the earth, that we're just stewards of the earth, as opposed to Psalm twenty four, speaking of the earth being the Lord's, um, that is a place where we are a bit at odds because as we increasingly live in a, I would say a post uh, Christian culture, um, we view ourselves. We our, many of our universities tend to be teaching us that uh, somehow. Somehow we have this huge impact on on everything, and it's it's we're just merely stewards of this, um, and it's not really ours, but it is ours. I mean, God placed us going back to the beginning of creation to be good stewards. I mean, Adam was placed in the middle of the Garden of Eden to work and be a good steward of God's good creation, right? Absolutely. I mean, that that is our task. You take God out of the equation, and then you're just kind of generic good stewards for whatever, the, the better sake of humanity, um, the intrinsic or, or extrinsic motivation, the motivation from God to inspire us to serve him well. Uh, and, and so many of the uh, parables Jesus spoke of are about some king, you know, coming back to check in on how his subjects are doing. <laughs> and that happens more than once in, in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Uh, the king returns to see what's going on. Uh, what have you been doing my, with my kingdom? Um, and so when you lose that, that sense of both uh, the, the gravity of someone in that sort of authority, a king checking on the subjects, or in our minds, of course, God checking on his creation, and for saints, for his redeemed saints, uh, we want to do what he wants us to do because we're so grateful uh, that he, he bought us back uh, from our own captivity and slavery to sin and Satan and the world. So whole, the whole different motivation for doing it, um, the Christian stewardship should be superior in not only its motivation, but, uh, but its exercise. Well, and when we you really ought to be doing sure. And when, when you think about it, um, I, I used to get asked all the time by students, "Hey, hey pastors, okay? Can we be can we be Christians and be greenies?" <laughs> <laughs> and I used to say, "I used to say, well, if you're talking about moving to Colorado, the answer is no. Um, <laughs> but if you mean, can we care about the environment? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're supposed to care yeah. about the environment. We just have a different motivation." For doing it, or, and maybe not even necessarily a different motivation, but we don't care for the environment as those that are scared. You know, the motivation of many uh, in, in 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 secular society is that we're just going to screw this thing up, <laughs> and yeah, uh, you know, yeah. the, the, we we can make the the world go away. We're going to blow it up. We're going to destroy it. There's not going to be air, but. If this really is, as you said from Psalm 20, for the earth is the Lord's, um, while we still need to be concerned about these things, we, we don't need to, you know, we, we aren't motivated by fear. We're motivated by love for wanting to care about the things that God has given us. Huge difference. Huge difference. Um, and it's, it is... It should reflect also the joy. Uh, so the difference is we don't do it by compulsion or survivability. I mean, some people, when they think about Mother Earth, uh, you know, they they're thinking, "Hey, if this is gone, what else do we have?" And they forget that, right. "Hey, you know, you're gonna you're gonna face the grave anyway. What do you got beyond the grave?" Um, so our stewardship flows from this idea of eternal redemption that my soul is going to be redeemed, and I've got a new body at the end of 
time when Christ returns, and and I do it out of magnification and glory for God who gave me eternity. Um, versus, well, if we don't do this, you know, what will happen to our children on earth? They'll be, you know, sucking smog or whatever. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a verse actually that, that I've always tucked away in the back of my mind. I had to go reference it quickly. It's Isaiah 14.8. Um, Even the cypress trees rejoice over you and the cedars of Lebanon saying, since you were laid low, no tree cutter comes up against us. It's an interesting verse. And as you you probably remember, the, the flag of Lebanon is this beautiful cedar tree. And if you go to Lebanon today, you're not going to see that many because they were all cut down and sent down to Jerusalem to build palaces or the temple or whatever and other places. Uh, they didn't manage the trees in Lebanon very well. And, and and so when you look at the Lebanese flag and you see that beautiful cypress uh, uh, tree, you realize there's just not any left um, because they didn't manage it. Now, uh, so yeah, is stewardship taught in the Bible? Well, that verse talks about way more than just keeping trees going, but, uh, but it is sort of a sub theme that, you know, God doesn't want, want us to have a slash and burn mentality when it comes to creation or our lives. And, you know, you had mentioned the, the classic three P's of stewardship, uh, time, talent, treasure, but I oftentimes talk about the seven T's of stewardship, uh, time, talent, Wait, seven, treasure. seven, I can hardly do the first three right. <laughs> but go ahead. Well, I'll go really slow for you. Uh, so you got the time, talent, and treasure down, that kind of rolls off your tongue. Sure. But the tissue, tissue is our bodies, um, and you know we're, we're we're called to manage our bodies, and that's another thing. Certainly in the campus community, mm-hmm. um, I look back on my college days with great joy because that was when I was at my greatest physical prowess, you know, and I could dunk a basketball. <laughs> and uh, you know, I miss those days because I got no ACL now, and my back hurts when I jump, and all sorts of problems. Sure. But you know, managing our body is important, and we don't want to abuse it with alcohol or food or. Or, or even the opposite side of the coin, not eating enough. Uh, and then trash, um, you know, managing the environment. That's, as I referenced that Isaiah verse, that's taught in Scripture. Um, truth. Uh, we oftentimes forget, and this is a real big deal, when I, when I teach confirmation class, hmm. the, eighth, the Eighth Commandment, for me, is like the preeminent commandment for what goes on in the day-to-day lives of our youth, and I would probably add our college students, is uh, you don't want to bear false witness. You want to speak the truth, and and the New Testament adds that important qualifier, in love. Um, and so t- we manage truth all the time. And a lot of times people are not telling the truth because they don't want to lose face or whatever. Uh, they're forgetting about God who's looking in on the whole thing. And then the last T for me is trust, that we manage our faith uh, not in the sense of what's believed, but the way we live out that faith. Um, you know, the New Testament tells us to kindle, uh, the fan into flame, uh, our faith. And so, you know, there are some things that we can do to either uh, dampen uh, the glow uh, or to fan into flame our faith. And participating in the life of the church is another aspect of good stewardship. So, you know, I, I don't mean to make it too complex, but I do think, as I oftentimes tell people, stewardship is everything, uh, and everything is stewardship. I mean, even the gospel, 
uh, is stewardship. We're stewards of the mysteries of God, is what St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians. And, and one of those mysteries is the mystery that Christ came to earth, died in our place, took away all of our sin, rose from the dead and said, okay, what I did for you is yours. You get it. And that changes our whole outlook. Um, we've got hope. We've got a new reason and way of living. And that's really, for me, the heart of stewardship. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. I'm going to demonstrate to you that it wasn't too hard for me. There's seven, seven, seven T's. I'm going to do it right now. I haven't written it down. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> As a way of review. Time, talent, treasures. Tissue, trash, truth, trust. Did I get them? You got the ones I give. Okay. <laughs> Probably ten, uh, ten more waiting in the wings that somebody else no, will you come can't, up you with. Can't, you could make a case for eight. You can't have six because that's not cool. If you get above no, eight, six, you have, if you give above eight, I you was, have to have a top ten tease. Oh, no. I was I was stuck at six for a long time, but six is demonic. So I said, I can't do that. i got to add a seventh. So, so I, found, I found trust. So that's the, uh, that's the seventh. One. Well, Pastor Foote, uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, we're going to have you on again next week. And we're going to talk about the spirituality on campus. We'll look forward to that as well. Great. Thank you. Let's see how well you know your big red history. Bring it. Who was Cornell's eighth president? Dale Raymond Corson. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Cornell's seventh president was, in fact, James A. Perkins. Comprehension skills, subpar. Hmm. Interviewing skills, subpar. Well, that's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Check out the archives of this program at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help. <laughs>